0: For Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to uh, Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Is it Wednesday, Brad? Yes, yes, it is Wednesday. I always forget the day because I, in, in news, you're always thinking a day ahead. When I write this story, the guys tomorrow are going to read it. Or, or it, it, when I worked at the newspaper, it was going to be in tomorrow's paper. So, and then I always forget the day, and people must be like Rick. Every day you do this. You know, even know what day it is. That's Brad Paff State Senator Brad Paff of the uh, the Walt Senate District, yeah, thirty-two. Thirty-two. I was going to say that, and then I'm like, thirty-two yeah. seems high. Do we have that many Senate Districts? Yeah, well, we have thirty-three in the state. It's good to
1: good to be here,
0: Rick. Yeah, so, Merry uh, Christmas. Yeah, we get we. This is the Christmas Eve Eve show, and tomorrow we'll do the Christmas Eve. Wait, Christmas Eve 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 show that we're doing uh, the Eve Eve cube, and um, I want to get your opinion on a couple of things. I'll throw one at you: is your top three Christmas movies, and then also just like when when you go, I don't know, you go home for Christmas. Like, what is the thing that you? What is the thing that you eat? Is it? Is there some kind of candy that you're always so? I always make the joke with my older brother when I go home for Christmas. Grandma always used to give us peanut brittle. Mm. I have never eaten peanut brittle in my life. So I just mm. get it, and I'm like, yeah. thanks, Grandma. I really appreciate it. And then it's, I don't even yeah. know what happened to it. i never eaten peanut brittle, oh, yeah. but that was always the thing. I think she made it homemade. Right. Uh but i and you know if I see a if I see some peanut brittle at the store I'll shoot a, a text to my brother I'll be like you want me to pick you some of this stuff
1: up
0: <laughs> um, but you know when I go home it's uh you, Christmas we we eat breakfast together and then yeah. open presents but there's you know there's always there's always some. Uh, you know, the, the frosting cookies or oh, yeah. or the cookies with the Hershey's cheese oh, yeah. on the top. Those are good. But what about you? Oh, well, I'll tell you. I mean,
1: I quite frankly, I love Christmas cookies. I mean, those are fantastic. I love it with the frosting. Uh, absolutely. I like fruitcake, uh, believe it or not. I absolutely love that stuff. Dates and raisins and walnuts. That sounds awful. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, cherries and all that kind of stuff. They're all good. I But, no, I can just eat about any type of... Uh, Dessert that's out there, especially when it comes to Christmas. Yeah. So I love
0: it. Do you, uh, do you make the rounds at a bunch of different houses on Christmas? Or? Yeah, so what happens
1: is, is my wife's from this area as well, so we're blessed that way, where uh, we spend time with uh, my wife's family on Christmas Eve and then uh, my parents um, up on the farm. On Christmas Day, and my sister and her family comes down, and uh, we do a gift exchange, and we just have a lot of fun. And of course, you know, I grew up in a uh, farming family, so we have a lot of different. Meats. Uh, We have uh, some roast, uh, roast beef for uh, dinner, and and then we have you know some salami and uh, some cut meats throughout the day. So we're always eating between uh, sugar snacks, cookies, or you know some good summer sausage. It's always something. Was it a dairy farm you grew up? It was a dairy farm. It was a dairy farm. Now it is. It's a grain farm. It's uh, corn and soybeans that are on that farm now. But uh, like too many. Dairy farms here in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, We've exited dairy, and uh, now we're, you know, growing crops.
0: Okay, so when you grow up on a dairy farm and Christmas Day happens... Does Christmas Day happen where the kids run down and get to open presents, nope. or do kids run down, put their boots on, and go milk? That's exactly <laughs> right.
1: Now uh, Santa came, uh, but we weren't ever able to open the gifts from Santa until we got in from the uh, from the morning chores. So uh, that's how that took place. Uh, but it was all good. We would see the uh, gifts underneath the tree, and it was all cool. But then we had to go out and you know feed the calves and uh, do the chores, and then then we would come in and we'd have the opportunity to open. Those gifts and it was fun, uh, but yeah, it would be about nine thirty or ten o'clock. Yeah, and you guys, uh, <laughs> you,
0: you, you probably used to having to get up early anyway, no. so there wasn't a. Yeah, that's funny. You, you do the chores and then you can open your gifts. Yes, incentive. Maybe all parents should do that, right. whether or not they live on a dairy farm. Hey, we got to vacuum the entire house so and do all right. the dishes uh, before we do this whole Christmas that's gift not opening. Not a bad thing. idea. No. I think we're on to something here. We're solving uh, we're solving discipline with children. Uh, 608-785-7914 is the text line if you want to text Brad past state senators in with me. We're going to talk. I, I feel okay, Brad. So you're, you're obviously the first first round state senator, but you're also running a congressional campaign now. Uh, to take over for Ron Kind I think Ron Kind has endorsed you yes, yes. um for for taking over a seat is you know what 26 years he, yes, been in that he was uh, he was elected in uh, November of
1: 96 so it'll be 26 years um, in office when he leaves after next year
0: now how how difficult is it to both be the state senator and do all the things you got to do in Madison and also try to you know, I guess maybe just you jump on the radio. You could do both things at once. But I mean, is it is it difficult to run a campaign and also do you know do your duties in Madison? Well, yes,
1: I have to focus on my job in Madison, and I do that uh, every single day because you know it, we need to make sure that the people of this district uh, feel that they're well represented, and we're getting the the constituent case work done, and we're continuing to do the uh, legislative legwork that is uh, required in order to make sure that uh, uh, you know the communities in this area uh, are well represented, and I do that. That every single day, but I do get the opportunity as well uh, in my job uh, to continue to meet and hear from people every single day about you know topics that are taking place, and some of that stuff is very transferable when we talk about the need for small business investment. I mean, that's needed here uh, in, the, in this state senate district in Crawford, Vernon, and La Crosse County, but it's also just as needed in Eau Claire and Dunn County and uh, up in River Falls and Pierce County, so that's very transferable, and those are issues that I can continue to talk about. But my focus has been and will always be on making sure that uh, uh, this district is well represented in the state senate.
0: How much different is a you know a state a state job a state senator job or if you want to say in the assembly? I know the districts are smaller, but versus a congressional job, you're you're in D.C. versus Madison. Obviously, there's. But the, the issues are all, the, are the issue, are there a lot of issues that aren't the same? like this You know what, this issue is really Wisconsin, but if I was a House candidate, I wouldn't have to deal with this. That would be for you state senators, you assembly. Well, that's a great question. I will say this, is that, I mean, I have been focusing on the
1: issues uh, that are important to this district in the state Senate. And quite frankly, that's very transferable uh, to Congress. Let's talk about kitchen table issues, bread and butter issues, to make sure that we've got job training and retraining programs. Programs, that uh, you know our businesses uh, can succeed and can hire and move forward uh, with their investments to make sure that you know we've got a, a healthcare system that's accessible and affordable uh, you know for our constituents to invest in our roads and our bridges that's so very important it doesn't matter if you're in Washington D.C. or if you're in the state senate you need to be able to do that that's what I've been doing as a state senator you know I, I pledged when I got elected to the state senate that I would work in a bipartisan fashion in order to get work done and I'm proud of the work we've done in a bipartisan manner. We were able to do a 2 billion dollar personal income tax cut in this budget. I'm proud of that. The largest investment the state has ever had when it comes to broadband internet. We were able to do that in a bipartisan manner. I'm proud of that. I'm proud of the work that we've been able to do as far as investing in our roads and bridges because you know what over the last 10 years or so Wisconsin's roads and bridges have really seen their wear and tear and I was glad that I was able we were able to step forward and get some work done. That's the kind of effort to going to take out in Washington, D.C. as well. Because, Rick, let's be clear, there needs to be changes made in Washington, D.C., we all can agree to that. But you don't go out to Washington DC and try and tear it apart and burn it down, which took place on January sixth. That is not the kind of representation we need in Washington. We need someone who knows this district, has worked for the people of this district, and will focus on the issues of this district. And that's why I think it is so transferable from the state Senate to the uh, US House of Representatives.
0: Alright, that's State Senator Brad Paff. We're gonna take a break. When we will come back, we're gonna talk about some of these things that, some of these issues that he's talking about. Uh, and some of the things We'll do a little bit Of a year in review how sure. about that uh, When we come back uh, Brad's got to do the news The other Brad Brad Williams okay. Alright welcome back To the Cross Talk PM 608-785-7914 Is the talk of exercise you want to get in here, state senator Brad Paff And congressional candidate In the third Congressional district In the studio with me uh, we'll, we'll be we'll, let's put your uh, we'll be state senator for this sure. segment here. Although Brad, uh, Brad, uh, Eric from Sparta's got it on hold, so we'll see what he has to say. Uh, that might be interesting. But um, Burl Ives, I think I you mentioned Burl before Ives. the show. You mentioned yeah. Burl Ives. So what's cool about uh, it, it, Christmas time? Once December hits, once November hits in my dad, mom, and dad's house, that's when Christmas music starts. It. Mom doesn't like it, but dad starts it. November first. Uh, December 1st is my rule to play old Christmas classics. And I like to play these kind of music Mm -hmm. because... When I was a kid, I would ride with my grandpa to the other grandparents' house for Christmas, and he would always play these songs, which I hated. I'm like, right. "Grandpa, put on you know whatever stupid rock station or whatever yep. I wanted to listen to." Yeah. Um, and I always complained the whole way to Grandma's house about Grandpa playing these old stupid songs. <laughs> and now I'm you know, and now it's nostalgia for oh, me. So nostalgia. I kind of
1: it's Rudolph the Red nosed Reindeer. Yeah. yeah so Little so and yeah. the Melting Snowman and Herbie Wants to Be a
0: Dentist. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a movie! Yeah. So I so I always love uh, I always love listening. It's just a little bit of nostalgia reminding me of the times when I had grandparents that were on this earth and uh, we would go and visit each other at Christmas. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. Well, we're going to transition here to Eric from Sparta's calling in. Eric, you got a question for State Senator Brad Papp?
1: Yes, I do. It's about politics. Okay. I was wondering, uh, you were running against Derek Van Orden, is that correct? That is correct. Um, you think uh, Governor Pitzer of Illinois will send you a million dollars? You can beat uh, Frankie like he did last year. Get more money. Oh, take his money. You know that. You think he'll send you $9 million bucks this year against Ben Horton? Well, I will say this, is that I am running for the United States Congress because I do believe that we need to make sure that we have someone that represents this district that will work for and fight for the people in the communities of this area. I think it's important, Eric, that our our member of Congress that represents this area is someone that is from here, understands the values and the people of this area. And I think we need to have someone... In Washington, D.C., it's working for us, so we'll work on kitchen table bread and butter issues that people every single day are focusing on, and that is jobs. That's making sure that their kids have opportunities to succeed, to make sure that, you know, we've got roads and bridges that are passable that we can drive to to, to get our groceries. we got to make sure that, again, we focus on the issues that are important uh, to the people here in western Wisconsin. And I will tell you this, is that uh, I think there's way too much. Uh, people in Washington, D.C. that are focusing on issues that are not in the best interests of the people of this area. I think there's a lot of games are being played right now in Washington, D.C., a lot of gotcha politics, a lot of too much partisan politics that's taking place, and there isn't enough focus on the real needs that are taking place here. You know what? There's way too many people in French Island right now that can't turn on their faucet and take a drink of water because, you know what? Our federal government's not stepping forward and trying to provide that kind of PFAS assistance that is needed, putting a policy in place to make sure that we can have a standard of clean water and at the same time provide the infrastructure assistance that's needed so we can put in uh, the kind of technology that's needed in order to remove this forever chemical from our water. That's the kind of things that need our politicians need to be focusing on. I know I'm doing that in Madison. That's where we need to be. Uh, so I would just say this is there's too many games that are being played in Washington, D.C. right now. There's too much gotcha politics. Not enough people are focusing on the needs of a specific district. And I am proud of the work I've done in Madison as a state senator to focus on the needs of this district. And if I get the opportunity to serve in Washington, D.C. as the next member of Congress, I can guarantee you that I will focus like a laser beam on the needs of the people of the 32nd and the 3rd Congressional District here in Wisconsin.
0: You're totally skated by the question, though. You know that. No, I want. this is something I want to talk about, and I will do that in the second half of the show, because it's more of a congressional issue. But uh, for anyone that's listening, I'm going to ask Brad about about campaign money um, in, a, in a bit. Not, not, not personally, Brad, but just in general, um, and, but, but before so the we get to campaign that... Campaign finance reform,
1: I will be the first one to admit that I am happy uh, to sign on and support uh, well, all, all of campaign finance reform. Is there something right now in the state legislature that's moving? No, there's not something that's moving in the state legislature when it comes to campaign there finance. There has
0: in the past. There has been this in the past. I think uh, you know either out of Milwaukee or Madison, uh, I don't know if it was an assembly person or a senator, uh, because we changed the rules over the past few right. years. Republicans changed the rules on it, the ability of of taking in money um, and the, the way I see it Brad is and we're talking with State Senator Brad Papp is uh, there, there is a limit on how much money that I can give you right. me as a citizen can give you, and then there is a limit on entities. That, in, that is right. That is correct. But there is no limit on how much money I can give the Republican or Democratic parties of the state. Right? Like there's. That is
1: that correct? I mean, on the, at the federal level, obviously, in the 2010 Citizens United U.S. Supreme Court ruling, you know, did you know, made some fundamental changes when it came to overall campaign finance. Uh, at the national level at the state level in the state of wisconsin there were also changes that were made as far as individual limits uh an individual can donate uh in the state of wisconsin up to two thousand dollars of individual money to their state senator um for their campaign Um, the same uh is said for uh uh, corporate entities uh, as as the same as for political action committees but when it comes into doing uh Uh, financial contributions to parties as well as for uh, third party entities to come in kind of this dark shadow money to come into these races which is happening in too many places and happened here in 2020 Um, that continues to take place and there needs to be overall reform I mean that is something that I've long supported will continue to support because the thing is I'm not a wealthy person at all and I don't come from wealth And the thing is, I think that anybody should have the opportunity to run for office, and they shouldn't have to spend all their time uh, trying to raise money in order to uh, uh, run a competitive
0: race. If if I were to level the playing field, I don't know. You tell me how bad this plan is. Uh, Everybody can contribute to as many people as they want but the limit is $15, not even a $20 bill, and then, and then no entities can, just people. So I can give you $15, and I can give Derek Van Orden $15 if I wanted. I can give as many people $15, because beyond that, uh, you know, regular people don't have more. The, the idea of giving you $15 or giving a politician $15 to a lot of people is, like, laughable. Like, why would I ever want to contribute money, but if it was just $15... And everyone, and that's all. I mean, you guys would really, be maybe you, maybe you would be on the phone all the time then. Maybe? I don't know what would happen, <laughs> but I tell you
1: this: back in the late '80s and early '90s, in the state of Wisconsin, we had something called a, a public financing. And if a candidate agreed to limit how much money that they would spend in a race, uh, there would actually be some uh, assistance that would come. And you know, the state of Wisconsin would provide assistance because, I mean, during. If you do your income taxes, you can see are you willing to donate a yeah. dollar um, I always <laughs> know, right. right, and so a lot of people do, and I understand that uh I've checked no as well, but I do know um that uh you know back in the late eighties early nineties we did have public some public financing of
0: campaigns, but of course that's gone way away. I There's think, a lot of money in politics. I think what they do in Seattle is the it might be a state thing, it might be a Seattle thing is they give everybody a hundred dollars, and then that hundred dollars they they you get to decide who you want to contribute to. It seems a little weird because okay. it's just rolling back tax money into uh, a, a political affiliation somehow. But um, you know, then you at least have, then people can, you know, spend that hundred dollars the way. And I wonder how many people just don't spend the money. Uh, before we get to you, Scott's comment in the news, we got another call. Uh, caller, caller, who's this? Yes, yeah, Joe. Hey, Joe. Hey, you yeah, got a Brad, question for
1: Brad. If you're going um, to be honest, maybe be honest about January 6th because. Uh, Nancy Pelosi and the FBI were all involved in colluding um, to create uh, people to uh, go after people that went to the Capitol that didn't cause an insurrection. The FBI and Nancy Pelosi all were involved in colluding and creating the insurrection, if that's what they want to call it. But maybe, maybe, um, maybe look at the, the the tapes that haven't been looked at. Of the footage of what happened, because I saw police letting people in to the Capitol, telling them to be good, and so you don't. But you don't ever hear that on the news. Well, I will say this: is that I think January 6th was not a good day for our country. I thought it was an assault on our democracy. I thought it was an assault on our constitution. And uh, you know, to have our nation's capital, quite frankly, have people climbing scaffolding in order to break windows to get into our nation's capital and then have someone carry around a Confederate flag in the halls of democracy in Washington, D.C., I don't think that's a good day for our country. There's nothing to be proud of. Um, That that was something we can never have have happen again. And so I will continue to point out the fact that uh, you know, I don't know what Derek Van Orden was doing in Washington D.C. on that given day. I don't know who he was talking to when he was out in Washington D.C. on that day. And quite frankly, you know, uh, that is something that all of us need to keep asking: Is what was he doing out there? Why was he there? And then how did, how could something like that happen? I mean, we can agree to disagree when it comes to you know the election. But the thing is this: is at the end of the day, our democracy is based upon the fact that you know what? We come together, we can try and get things done. Republicans and Democrats. That's what I believe. Those are the values of Western Wisconsin. The values of Western Wisconsin are not having tear gas, not having you know uh, police officers losing their lives, not having a situation where you know our you know people are trying to threaten a vice president of the United States. That just is something that's not defensible. And I I will continue to point out the fact that we can do better. There is no way that we should have. CBS News Brief. America. There's there's no way that we should have a situation in this country where, you know, uh, our democracy is under assault like that, that our Constitution is under assault. Uh, That was wrong. Uh, I will continue to point out over and over again that behavior was indefensible and uh, you know I continue to ask what was Derek Von Orden doing in Washington D.C. on January 6th what was his purpose to be there and who was he talking to and uh, you know wh- wh- why did this happen?
0: We do have a House committee uh, you know looking into this and a lot of Republicans said they didn't want to be a part of that uh, so there's there, there, There is a, you know, there was a, a, an ability to do a bipartisan kind of look into the January 6th, and then, I mean, there are some Republicans affiliated with this, but by and whole, they, they didn't want to be a part of that. We don't want to look into that, was kind of the, the talk.
1: And that's unfortunate. I mean, because the thing is, is why don't we want to do it? None of us want something like this to ever happen again. I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, we do have, we got to make sure that, uh, you know, we keep our democracy strong. We got to make sure that we listen to all the voices of our people. We have, but we have to make sure that, you know, we, we keep our democracy functioning and moving forward. And the thing is, is that it, that was beyond the pale. That's all I can say. It was absolutely beyond the pale.
0: All right, we got to take a break. Scott's comment coming up. Brad, doing the news. We'll actually try to accomplish some things on some, some issues that you know are affecting all of us. Brad, you mentioned pizzas. I Do want to talk yep. about that when we get back after the All right, welcome back to the Cross Talk PM. Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four is the talk of text line. It's always like a, a roller coaster ride because you get really happy hearing songs like this, Andy, uh, Williams, Brad. Andy Williams, and then we were just talking about an insurrection. Oh, I know. <laughs> Uh, and a lot of that stuff I, I feel like you know it's always it makes for good talk radio and sometimes but then you get on your spiel and you got to do the thing but also like it doesn't make for a good uh, productive radio I don't think because I got you in here we could really talk about some issues and I think Chris is joining me now on the phone Chris is calling in and I think Chris will probably have a pretty good topic to, to talk to you about Brian, go ahead Chris hi Chris hey Mr. Path, thank you first of all thank you for serving um, it, it's a uh, it's, it's not an enviable position at all. So thank you
1: for that. Thank you. Um, you mentioned earlier um, kind of this concept about gamesmanship. Um, my passion lies in, in families and kids and, and education in
0: general. How do we limit some of that gamesmanship that we see in education? That's kind of my first question here. And then how, to what degree do
1: you think education systems, especially after the, you know, this this mess of a pandemic
0: can we use this to reform to help us move forward in our communities can 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 the can the education system be reformed enough to really anchor
1: cohesiveness for our communities oh that's a great question chris and my answer is is that i would really like to work with you on that because i do believe that our education system is you know the great equalizer it gives all of us an opportunity regardless of our zip code or where someone is born or the family background they get an opportunity uh, to exceed, uh, to succeed, to come into the classroom, and to participate and to learn from one another. And um, we have to, we have to make sure that we get back to what you're talking about, and that is that cohesion, uh, focusing on the needs, obviously, of the child, of the student, but also recognizing what a quality public education means for a community and the pride all of us can have. In the fact that we've got uh, you know a wonderful, wonderful public education system uh, in this area and in this state, we need to continue to invest in that. But there's things that we do need to talk about as we go forward here, and the pandemic has kind of pointed this out: is the fact that you know we do need technology, and so you know we spend a lot of time talking about you know broadband and internet. But what this really means is making sure that you know we connect our households. And we give you know everybody an opportunity to get on the internet, and of course, we learned to uh, you know last year that in many of our schools, you know, maybe here in the city of Lacrosse or in our rural areas, that uh, too many of our families didn't have connections or you know had to uh, check out hotspots from the local library or from the school district in order to uh, you know do their lesson plans. So that's something we got to talk about. I think there's also more we can do when it comes to early education. Um, you know, we talk a lot about uh, four, you know, pre-K and four-year-old, but I mean, there's even talk about some three-year-old. And what more can we do? Because you know, those young children, I mean, they're really learning a lot at that zero to three age. And so we need to figure out what we can do there in order to continue to stimulate the brain and get our children uh, engaged on a path to learning well, did, uh, early on.
0: Didn't you guys in the Senate pass a bill to mandate cursive? So well, we're doing that
1: there uh, that <laughs> there is that there is that legislation that is correct um there is and I'll tell you you know there's a lot of people that have a lot of different thoughts on that when it comes to learning cursive well oh, in my
0: in my opinion, it was like okay we we don't need to mandate cursive we should mandate learning a new language at that young age because I think that's really the wheel's turn on learning stuff like that um i I feel like there could be a lot of. A lot of ways where you could integrate. You know, if we're gonna we're gonna make you know our education system. You know, people talk about critical race theory, and I think that's that's a term that's been hijacked. Um, but there's some there's some critical history going on that we don't learn about. You know, in, in terms of our schools and. Uh, you know, just the, the idea that we, you know, there there are there are some lessons to be learned in our history that we could be teaching in schools, but apparently we just don't we don't want to do that.
1: Yeah, there's again, there's only so many only so many hours in the day, and of course there's there's a lot that we need. to We need to make sure that we have financial literacy in our education. We need to make sure that you know we do teach world geography in our education because again we live in a globalized uh, world. I always
0: see the joke. Uh, uh, I, I would want to learn about the stock market, like right. something I could learn in high school, right. uh, just to teach basics of, of how or, or how to do my taxes. That's right. But no, we're going to learn how to balance a checkbook. Or That's we're right. going to, yeah. you know, we're going to take a, a, a food, a, a home economics course to learn how to, you know, make a pillow football. And it's just like, and, and not that there's anything wrong with that, because I, I mean, I forgot how to make that pillow football, right. but I do have it at home yet. Um, but there, you know, some, some of that stuff, like learning how to do taxes or learning more about the stock market, those are things that we could integrate into, into schools. If we wanted to mandate something, I think that would be a place to do it.
1: Right. And curriculum development is constantly taking place. And so, I mean, I hear you. I hear you on that. I will say this is that, uh, you know, I do strongly encourage, I mean, I, I strongly encourage for people to get involved uh, in you know, their schools, Uh, consider running for school board, continuing to serving a parent-teachers association, whatever it can be. Being involved in education is so important. But creating an environment of lifelong education where, you know, regardless of, uh, you know, the subject matter, that people want to continue to learn and stretch themselves and so they can participate and engage in a a democracy, uh, which we all have, uh,
0: you know, an equal say in. Yeah, the the house passed the Build Back Better plan. Um, You know, I think all it was just total party vote. And uh, you know, you're you're running for Congress, so I believe you would have you would have probably you know been part of this. In that Build Back Better plan, there is an avenue there for free uh, two year school or tech school. I think uh, anyone could go. I mean, these are things. These are equity issues that uh, if if I have the ability to go to college. You know, there shouldn't be a like. How am I going to pay for that? And then just I don't get a I, I don't get to continue my education. But that that I don't know. Do you think that will continue? It sounds like the Build Back Better plan might be on on the outs. But maybe something just that avenue. Hey you're going to get a two-year tech, tech degree or you're going to be able to go to a two-year college for free. I mean, what do you think of a plan like that? Well, I
1: do think that there's constant work that is taking place. So I will talk real briefly on that Build Back Better. I think there's a variety of different uh, uh, pieces of legislation that can be broken out and, and put into separate bills. So we'll, we'll see how all that works out. But in regards to you know making sure that people uh, can get the job training and the education that they're looking for for their career and at the same time not break their piggy. Bank, that is something that we all, regardless of political party, we should be figuring out how to do that. And so, as a member of the state senate, I'll say this: is that, uh, you know, I've been part of this conversation within the higher education committee as well as in the uh, economic development committee that I serve on, these two separate committees where I sit down with chambers of commerce and private business as well as our K-12 through school systems, our technical college system, and our UW system and figure out what more we can do to create job training and apprenticeship programs in which people can learn on the job or get credit uh, while they're working. What more can we do there? What more can we do to make sure within our K-12 through our high school system, by the time someone's a junior in high school, can they be taking, you know, Uh, classes at Western Technical College or at UW-La Crosse or Viterbo wherever it may be and get college credit and at the same time you know not have them cost a you know an arm and a leg in order to get this what more can we do to make higher education more affordable because you know what it's not affordable uh, right now I mean we've priced ourselves out of this and the thing is is that you know not every person needs a four year education but the thing is providing opportunities for people to better themselves and as our economy continues to change and evolve we need to make sure that we have an education system that's in place that is adaptable and allows people to get the training and the skills and the certifications that they need in order to continue to move forward. So I'm going to continue to advocate for that. You know the thing is I'm going to do everything I can to lower the cost of education to make sure that you know we don't have these uh, education systems, the k through twelve university, technical college that operate as separate islands, and they don't they're doing a good job of working together, but there's more that we can do on that and of course, when it comes to what can we do in order to you know make sure that uh, you know everybody gets an opportunity uh, to uh, have a uh, an education when they when they need it, I mean that's something that uh, is imperative that you know we actually talk about this and we actually try and work towards it. Because right now what's happening, Rick, is when people graduate from high school, there's a clean break. And what can we do to you know, have this thing be more transition right into another certification program at a technical college or at a four-year? What can we do? We need to figure that out, I and mean, then we need to figure out that pricing structure.
0: We're speaking with State Senator Brad Paff. Uh, also, congressional candidate Brad Paff, in, in in studio here with me today. Yeah, the um, part of the part of the news today is the Biden administration is now flip-flopped again. I think a, 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 not too long ago they said they weren't going to uh, continue with um, uh, delaying student loan payments. You know, they're, 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 that's gone now. I think they pushed it to May first, where the the student loan debt won't won't be enforced. Um, Instead of you know, I think a lot of people get I don't know jealous is the word. If we're going to you know relieve student loan debt, we're just going to give everybody twenty thousand dollars to go. That might be that might be a way to do it. But is there a better a better way to do it in terms of hey I don't don't saddle me with twenty percent ten percent loan payment loan interest right. rates. Is there can we make it like my house my house loan interest rate is my mortgage rate is like one point nine percent. Is there a way to do it? Why, why, wouldn't we do, why can't the government do something like that? for that, I mean, That's a great point. I mean, that's a very great
1: point. Uh, the thing is, is, why can't we continue to work you know, with the financial industry? And, of course, none of us want a replay of 2008 and 2009 when all of this stuff crashed. Uh, but the thing is, is that you know, through the equity markets, we've been able to figure out a structure to make home loans and car loans affordable. Why are student loans so terribly expensive right now? Yeah, How yeah. can we figure something out in a secondary market in order to make it where you know people can have access to you know loan money if that's what they need and at the same time it's not gonna break the bank for them to pay it back? Um, you know, we've gotta figure that out. This nation figured it out when it came to car loans and home loans. How come we haven't been able to do this yet?
0: Yeah, if I don't have a if I don't have a great credit score and I don't have a great paying job and I go to get a mortgage loan they're going to go no you're not good but if I want to go get a student loan good to go you're 18 have at it good luck you know that's
1: right and that's something that we do have to have a real serious conversation what is the government's role on this how can we encourage more private sector involvement in this and uh, you know how to, the system we have right now, obviously, um, is not ideal, and it's got to be changed. I mean, so we have to figure out
0: uh, an approach to this. And quite frankly, I'm all ears. All right, we're going to take one more quick break. We'll be back. All right, we're going to we're going to we'll just play Bruce in the background here. Uh, Brad path Senator Brad, say Senator Brad Pass in here with me. I want to. I want to. This is almost. It's an easy issue to to say, like, uh, you know, I really feel bad for the people on French Island, the private wells, and, and we're almost on the year anniversary of them having to to drink, uh, here we go, to drink bottled water. They've been a, a year now. They're on bottled water. I can't imagine, and I don't know, Brad, I don't know if they have to take, if they could take showers and be safe about, you know, you don't want to, you know, I'm in the shower, I'm drinking water all the time. I just, just take a gulp right out of the shower hose. Right. But what... Like, what's the plan? Do we do we does the – does the, can the government just go here, hook up to the Lacrosse water system and it'll be paid for, or for paid for for a decade? Or is that? It, I mean, that seems like the best way to get about this is, is to kind of get into the government, the the Lacrosse water utility and be part of that as because the private wells are never going to be fixed right
1: well I mean, there's a couple things here first of all the uh, town of campbell uh, the elected officials in the town of campbell they are having those conversations uh, what they can do they're having conversations in regards should they put their own municipal well in place i know that's a discussion i know they've had conversations as far as connecting to neighboring municipalities may it be on alaska or lacrosse or Whomever yeah. um, they are having that conversation, but I'll tell you what we can do is we can't sit still and not allow nothing to happen. So I have legislation, uh, I'm on legislation in in Madison that does the following things, and that is this: is that we have to. Have two minutes, by the way. Okay. We have to increase our testing. There's only a few labs uh, in the entire Upper Midwest that people can send their test results to. That's wrong. We need more testing. Uh, Number two, we have to figure out how to make this testing more affordable because this costs hundreds of dollars. And, of course, this is a fluid situation. Water is a fluid, obviously. But one week it may be, you know, uh, 20 parts uh, per trillion. The next week it may be 80 parts per trillion. So we've got to figure that out. Uh, Number three is that, you know, there is technology that, you know, if – if we stay with private wells and of course, you know, if that's if that's what we say with do we need to figure out how we can provide affordable technology for a filtration system in order to help our homeowners. Because through no fault of their own they have a situation where they can't, you know, turn on their tap and get uh, a glass of water. And that's unfortunate.
0: Yeah, for sure. And 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 it's it's been a year, so it's just like, you know, well, what, what and I understand they think they want to think through it, but I think some of the federal money that they're getting is going to uh, expire at some point. So there does need to be a solution. Yeah, we do eventually
1: need to have a solution. And the thing is, is that, I mean, let's come together. Because the thing is, it's not just Democrats or Republicans in the town of Campbell that are drinking this water. I mean, it's Republicans and Democrats, Independents, all of us. And the thing is, is that enough of this. Let's figure out what we can do. The state of Minnesota has put a, uh, a plan in place. You know, why can't we here in the state of Wisconsin? But, again, it's another example, Rick, of just partisan politics run amok. All right, State Senator Brad Pass. Real quick, you got thirty seconds. Top three Christmas movies? You got a top three? I do. I I will say this. Uh, I like Die Hard. You know, I'm a Bruce Willis fan, and of course, you know that's kind of a, a cool Christmas
0: movie. It's not really Christmas. Controversial. Brad Paff says Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Yeah, okay, I, I'll say that. I do
1: like Home Alone. I like Home Alone One. Uh, I like Joe Pesci. I think that's awesome. And of course, you you have to love a Christmas vacation. Anything with National Lampoon. I find that absolutely hilarious. All right, that's State Senator Brad Path. Hey, thanks a lot for, for joining me today. Thank, thank you, Rick. With the news time, news six.